Welcome to the Creative Genius Podcast with Nicolette Wilson-Clark. Hello there, it's Nicolette and this is the Creative Genius Show. It's a pleasure to be here on Riverside Radio or the podcast if you're listening after. And this is the local radio show that supports the creative in learning who they are, mainly so that they can protect their emotional and mental health and to courageously tap into their genius. And I am inspired today to talk all about anxiety. How are you today? Just checking in with you. Are you anxious about anything? Is anything going on with you that causes you in this moment to feel? (gasps) Or perhaps something triggers something from a past experience and you find yourself just being derailed and it literally debilitates you. You can't move forwards. You feel inertia. You don't want to. You just want to get into bed and curl up. Well, I'm going to be talking about anxiety today and most importantly it's about solutions how we can manage it in the moment and how we can manage it when it's more long term so stay with me now I was inspired to talk about anxiety today because I've been having very mild anxiety episodes that sometimes come from absolutely nowhere and it's only because I know how to manage them that they haven't actually spiraled out of control So it got me thinking that if you're someone who doesn't know how to manage your emotions because you don't really get how the brain works, then where's it going to take you? How far down the rabbit hole are you going to find yourself? And so I've also recently coached a creative recently who was starting to find themselves being crippled by feelings of anxiety. And it wasn't until we incidentally incidentally which is what often happens in a coaching session where you go in with one intention and you just unearth a whole bag of stuff and come out with a completely different outcome but actually the journey was different the outcome was very similar to what you wanted is what I wanted to say the outcome's different but it's the journey that has changed along the way to get to the outcome you didn't expect yourself to go down that road (laughs) so I've been coaching someone recently a creative who was starting to find themselves really really crippled by feelings of anxiety and it wasn't until we just went down this rabbit hole which was a really good incidental rabbit hole to go down during a coaching session that we realized how negatively impacting that emotional tirade was actually being for them. And anxious feelings leading to negative thoughts can really creep up on us ninja style. You know, I've got this image of anxiety in complete black with a little eye mask and hat and just tiptoeing stealthily behind you because it wants to catch you off guard. Before you know it, you're missing opportunities, you're becoming extremely insular, and you're seeing the world a lot less positively. Now, my anxiety comes from a deep-rooted fear of death. I discovered this through my own coaching and through coaching with someone else. And I'm learning to manage that because it doesn't stop, dear creative. You identify it, you find out what is going on, and then you've got to find ways to manage it because it's a part of who you are, but it doesn't dictate who you are. It's just a part of you. It doesn't determine your future. 
or your present, it's the past. And so my anxiety comes from that deep-rooted fear of death. It comes from an early experience where I was in the bath with Mama. Mum and I were having a bath. I must have been about between four and six years old. And she, my mum, she pretended to spiral down the plug hole. Yes, she did. She pretended to spiral like the water down the plug hole. And even though I could see her, she kept saying that she wasn't there and that she'd gone down the hole. And my little brain just couldn't fathom the fantasy from the truth. And I interpreted it as my mum being gone, even though I could hear her voice, even though she's right in front of me. And ever since then, I'd have episodes of fear about losing my mum, losing my dad and anyone else close to me, to be honest. Now, I've since learned to manage those chronic episodes. But as I'm sharing with you now, it's an ongoing practice that's about managing those sporadic intrusions. Now, the incident happened in a bath and luckily, I still love a bath, if anything. Maybe I overcompensate there because any excuse to have a Himalayan salt bath and I'm in. (laughs) I'm not sharing the bath though. (laughs) Anyway, recently, in the last couple of years, I've lost people who were close to me, whether it's through illness or other things. And very recently, close friends have been talking about their losses and the older generation the older generation in my community have also been sharing deaths of their generation it feels like they're dropping like flies all around me and it's a real en masse influx that i've been experiencing since the year began especially and it has been a massive trigger And out of nowhere, I've started to feel these moments of anxiety. And when I looked into it, it's about fear of losing a loved one, which can be triggered by just about anything, unless you keep yourself locked up in a room. It can be triggered by a scene on a film. It can be triggered by a TV program, words in a song, a conversation. It can be triggered when researching an article about something it's just there and it also depends on my state that day as to how I deal with it which I'm sure that you can appreciate because certain things that happen to you in the moment depending on how you've woken up and what's happened and what happened yesterday and how you've interpreted it will determine how you deal with that incident right here right now so like anything that's a part of you It needs attending to. I have to stress this. You mustn't ignore it. You know, this is part of what this podcast is, this show is. It's to highlight to you the things that you could and should be doing in order to support you moving forwards. But in order to do that, you have to know about them. And that's why this is here, so that I bring awareness in your direction of the things that are subconsciously, subliminally, everyday occurrences, emotions, feelings, thoughts, behaviors, people that are getting in your way and stopping you. But maybe you've been experiencing it so much, so often, that you just think it's the norm and that this is it, this is my lot and this is what I have to contend with. But that isn't the case and that's what I want to remind you, dear creative, is that 
We can change. Oh, beautiful blessing. Whatever we're experiencing right here, right now, we can change. So you mustn't ignore the feelings that you're getting if they're negative, if they're not serving you. How do you know if they're negative or do they stop you doing what you want to do in life? How do they make you feel about yourself? If it isn't positive, if it isn't something that nourishes you, we could put it under the umbrella of negative, couldn't we? So I self-coached myself and implemented some tools just to soothe my anxiety and to remind myself that everything's actually okay. And part of that is actually sitting with the anxious moment. Part of that is being with it so that you can recognize it so it doesn't creep up on you ninja style so that you get to know the feelings that you get before you're in the moment with the thoughts because remember your body will be telling you and sending you signals about what's about what you're feeling but what happens is if we're not connected to the way the body works and the way we feel we only hear the message through thought which is what we are more or less taught as children to listen to, our thoughts. But if we could go one step back and actually start to listen to our body, whether it felt cold or shivery or tingly or hard or soft or energetic or vibrant, whether there was a sensation in the heart or in the lower back or in the hip, in the shoulder, whether your throat got tight because you couldn't say that one thing you wanted to, but you didn't think anything of the throat getting tight. And then the thoughts went in the head and that's when you noticed. So you really want to try and pay attention to what the body says to us, the language of the body. And so that's part of the process that I did to really identify that, oh shoot, that's what's happening. I'm being triggered by X, Y, and Z. And no wonder I feel a little bit queasy in my belly right now. No wonder I feel teary. Ah, it's because I've got that memory of that situation and it's bringing it back. And so now I have the choice as to whether I go there or whether I don't, because I'm aware. So that's what I want to share with you today. Anxiety and how we're managing it. How are you managing it? How do you manage your anxiety episodes, your anxious episodes? Now, as humans, whether it's today or tomorrow, you'll have an anxiety episode because it's a human condition and it stems from the brain and an organ that's the center of our nervous system, the nervous system which determines how we relate to, how we experience what's around us, our environment. And that brain is the most complex and sophisticated organ known to man. It's amazing. And research is always changing second by second. If you're in this industry of, you know, neurophysics and neurobiology and neuro, neuro, neuro of the brain, you're constantly having to be on the pulse of the wonderful nuances that are coming up, the subtleties of realizing that that impulse now connects to that part of the brain, which now connects to that action, that thought, that feeling, whatever it is. So the most complex and sophisticated organ known to man, huh? It interprets, it assumes, 
it perceives and it adapts to its surroundings. And you are a product of what goes on around you. Hey, listen, doesn't mean you have to be it. You're just a product of it, huh? Okay. If I put water in a bottle, that's the product, water in a bottle. Yeah. That doesn't have any choice because that's water in a bottle. But if I'm the one doing it, I've got choice whether I put sparkling water in there or a soft drink or alcohol or empty it, half full it, whatever. Yeah. So you don't have to be whatever it is that you're becoming because of the way you're perceiving, interpreting, assuming your environment. It just is in that moment. And that's based on your experiences, how you perceive and interpret it. Because the brain's sole objective is survival, procreation, survival. And it presents a negative bias as a result of this. So it's always on guard. It's always looking at things from a negative perspective to make sure that you stay safe. You know, to make sure that that rustle in the bushes is not something that's going to terminate your life. So when you're in a situation where you're finding your thoughts saying, I'm rubbish, I shouldn't do that. No, I mustn't go for that interview. No, I mustn't go for that audition. No, I shouldn't take on that manager. No, I shouldn't. No, I shouldn't. That's because of the part of the brain that says, oh, don't want to do that. No, don't want to go into the unknown. Oh, no, doesn't feel good. And that's why as we've evolved, we've evolved a part of the brain at the front of the brain that allows us to start making decisions and thinking differently. We don't have to listen to that other part of the brain. So it's sole survival. So it's sole objective is survival. And it presents that negative bias as a result of that. And if you follow the theory of Dr. Steve Peters, the brain houses three brains to facilitate and support everyday living, which is the chimp, you, and the computer, the older brain, the front part of the brain, and all the other parts of the brain within. That's the computer. Now, one of the things that we're very good at, very good at, is creating a narrative, a story around our experiences. And in that particular incident with me in the bath, I did that as a developing child. My narrative in this instance was how horrible it would be to lose Mama. And I remember the feelings of confusion, thinking, you can't be gone because I can see you. And those feelings mixed with feelings of abandonment and loss, thinking, well, who will look after me if you're gone? And until I'd addressed it later on in life, it had become infused in who I'd become. And because it was so ingrained in my growth and evolution, it kind of became a part of my developing DNA. So even though I'm continually addressing the emotional connection to that experience, the memory hasn't erased. The memory is still there. It hasn't gone anywhere. It's stored somewhere. It's stored in that memory store as a resource for reference. That's the computer. But it's how I choose to interpret it now in this moment that actually matters. And for those who really enjoy a bit of detail, 
that storage place in the brain is called the hippocampus. And it's like the catalyst, it's the beginning of where memory storage is. However, memories are also stored in other areas of the brain, of the cortex, that wrinkly outer layer that surrounds the brain. So understanding that for me, understanding that it was merely a memory that was stored and I could choose how I now interpret it, that gave me a perspective of choice. Yeah, I have the memory, but I can now in this present moment, I'm not in the past, I'm here. I can now choose how I experience it. The Dalai Lama says, there is no wrong or right. There is no right or wrong. It's just our thinking that makes it so. It's just our thinking that makes it so. So how could you interpret or choose to believe that something is a particular way that serves you, that brings out the best in you? that allows you to feel motivated, to feel inspired, to get you to literally capture the world, to be seen and to not be afraid of being seen. I mean, we create our world through our senses, through touch and smell and taste and sound and sight. There are a few other senses that are spoken of, but I'm going to talk about those five. And to make sense of those senses, we delete, we distort, and we generalize information whilst we filter it. So what are our filters then? Well, our filters are our values, our beliefs, our personality type, our instincts, our habits, our attitudes, our language, our decisions, our memories, and even our moods. Remember I was saying to you about it depends on the state I'm in that day as to how I choose to respond to what's going on in the moment. And when we delete, distort, or generalize what's going on around us, our version of the world is created by the experience that we've had, whether it's a past experience or experience in that moment. And that's our perception. That's how we're perceiving that situation. And this version of our world, that new perception that we've just created and decided is, creates an emotional state, whether it's excitement or anger or calm or sadness. It might be that you go to your car after parking it and you get a ticket. Yeah, So you're going to have some kind of perception of that incident. All traffic wardens are bleep, 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 bleep. Yeah, Or you're going to have a perception of, oh my gosh, I wish I hadn't stayed later than 10 minutes. I should have been here in time. I am so stupid. You're going to create some kind of perception of the situation. That's generalizing it. You might distort it, which is saying that all traffic wardens are bleep bleep. Or you might delete a piece of information which said that actually you're responsible for this and you should have got here on time. Not thinking of that. It's all the traffic wardens fault or it's all somebody else's fault. Deleting the fact that it actually is down to you. Yeah, you're getting that. How we delete, how we distort, how we generalize information that comes through. And 
This version of our world is going to create an emotional state, whether it be excitement or anger or calm or sadness, that is our state. So we've got our perception and we've got our state. And this is going to lead to a physiological change in our body because of our perception of the world, because of the state that we're in now. Our body is now going to respond to that. So it's either an increase in heartbeat, it's sweating, it's blushing, it's goosebumps, it's weak at the knees. It's something you know, that's really impacting us strongly. And these three internal factors, it's stuff that's happening to us inside, they impact upon each other. They kind of bounce off each other and respond to each other and react to each other. And all of that creates a final state. All of that bonding and reacting and bubbling together with your perception, your state, your physiology, it creates one final state that you decide on in that moment. And this final state shows itself as a communication or a behavior. So a communication might be that you just smile at someone, depending on what's happened. Your perception, your state, your physiology, you might just smile at them because that's how you choose to interpret the whole thing. Or maybe you cry. Or maybe you shout, that will be your behavior. That final state shows itself as you shouting at the traffic warden and getting annoyed with them or shouting at the person that made you late or even just crying because it's all too much today and you just don't have the finances to pay for that ticket. In turn, this results in an outcome in the external world. So your response your communication or behavior is now going to result in some kind of an outcome to the external world. Because where have you done that? You've done that to the external world. Starts from within and now you're shouting at someone or you're at yourself, but it's outside, people see. And whether it's positive or negative, it is experienced by you. So whether that behavior or communication is positive or negative, you now experience it. And because you now experience it, well, hello, we go back to the beginning. The cycle continues. We go back to literally filtering, literally distorting, deleting and generalizing, literally finding our state, deciding on it and having the physiology and then the behavior, then the communication. And we decide on a way to react to the world. And thus the cycle continues. You're listening to The Creative Genius Show with Nicolette Wilson-Clark. This is Riverside. Hello and welcome back. You're listening to Nicolette on Riverside Radio. This is The Creative Genius Show. Hey. So we're talking about anxiety and we are talking very much about the cycle of life continuing, really, how the brain wants to keep us alive and to do that it has to go through a constant cycle of making sure that we're staying safe and part of that has a bit of a fallout because it makes us think negatively about ourselves about our world and it's also causing us to interpret the world sometimes not so good so today's show is about giving you the opportunity to understand about that brain and that it's has one sole function and that you actually as you've evolved as a as a human a homo sapien you have the choice to now actually not listen to that part of the brain and to make a choice to say 
I want to do it this way because I'm in control. I have choice. So let's continue and talk more about how we can actually do that because it's all about the solutions and taking action. We can talk forever, really, can't we? But let's put some stuff in place. So we've got the narrator, the story and the audience. That's what we established in the previous part, which is where the narrator is you talking to yourself. You don't know you're doing it. It's all subconscious. Uh, You've got the story. It's what you've made up. This is how you've interpreted it, what it means to you. And you've got the audience, the audience being yourself, the things you say to yourself, and also people outside of you who might be witnessing your behaviours and the story you're telling about what happened. And the meaning that you attach to that story is actually really important. But what's mega important is why you created that story in the first place, because that will be there to serve you in some way. And for example, I created my story about, you know, the baths thing about getting anxious about losing people around me because I I became scared in that moment as a a little bubby of being abandoned in the bath and ever since then I've had this story this dialogue about when things happen to people I care about that they're going to abandon me that I'm going to be left and I've found ways to deal with that and to manage that because actually it's not true You know, it's just that part of the brain that wants to keep me very, very safe and protected. So I'm okay with it. But every so often, as I said before, there'll be a trigger that resurrects the memory. You know, like when you have, imagine someone holds your hand for a long time and then they take their hand away and you still feel the memory of their hand. It's not there. It's not hurting you. It's not imprinting in any dramatic way, but you still feel the memory. That's what this is like. There's an imprint of that memory there. And every so often something will remind you of it and how you respond to it now is what matters. So There's a real relationship between the narrator, the story and the audience. There's a relationship between the narrator, the story and the audience. Remember, the narrator is you. The story is what you've made up. And the audience is either yourself that you're telling your story to or the people around you. And this inner dialogue is going on constantly for as long as we breathe. But the good news is that with evolution, we have the capacity, the capacity to make change neuroplasticity that's that ability of the brain to change and shift and shuffle into different areas and places as we put imprints onto it means that when the story doesn't serve us we have the choice to change it yay everybody stand up wave your hands from left to right we have the choice to change it so let's talk about how we make change when we experience anxiety Now, anxiety is the body's natural response to stress. That will be the umbrella word that we use. I'm anxious because the body is quite is now quite stressed in some way. And when the body is stressed, it will want to go into a particular state. And that state will be to protect you. And that state will be the stress mode. And that will be your literally your fight, flight or freeze. You either fight there and stand, hold your ground, you'll flee, go away, or you'll freeze. And freeze, now we know, has many different levels according to the nervous system where you can go right into freezing and playing dead 
So you might not want to get out of bed forever. That's real depression. Or just being in that moment where you cannot move forwards or back with an intention. I want to write a blog. I want to write music, but I'm scared of. Therefore, nothing's happening. And you feel a prisoner within your own mind and body, huh? So the body's natural response to stress is anxiety. And you may recognize it by, you know, sweaty palms that you get or rapid heart beating, uh, tight breath that occurs when you find yourself in really uncomfortable situations or even challenging situations. And there are a couple, there's two types of this anxiety that I want to address today. There is sporadic anxiety that occurs in the moment, right here, right now, and that impedes whatever you want to do. It stops you or it halts it or it slows it down. And there's also long-term stress that is triggered by a memory or a reoccurring experience that happens regularly. So you might find yourself, perhaps you're a drinker, let's just say, and you find yourself in a situation with alcohol, alcohol being the trigger, and you find yourself in that situation regularly and you respond in the same way each time because there's a memory either triggered by the drinking of alcohol when you become more lucid and more emotionally responsive to what's around you or by the environment itself. There's something there that causes you to feel uncomfortable. So let's attend to the sporadic anxiety first. I want to offer you some natural remedies to consider that could serve you when focusing on a situation such as being worried, for example, about an upcoming event. You're in that moment and you're thinking, oh my gosh, tomorrow it's happening. And you start to feel really uncomfortable and your body responds. Remember, your body will respond first and then the thoughts will come second. But if you're not connected to the body, all you will hear and respond to are the thoughts and you've missed those early cues. The early cues are the cues that are going to prevent you from spiraling because once it's in the head, it's quite challenging to bring it back. We've got to do a lot of undoing. Yeah. So we want to empower ourselves to notice when you get uncomfortable in the stomach, when the butterflies come. What's that about? Why am I thinking that? Why am I feeling that? And then what am I thinking about that? Oh, I'm nervous for tomorrow. Oh, and then we can take it from there. So if it's sporadic anxiety, the symptoms should be short lived. Okay, that's how you'll know that it's a sporadic anxiety. It should be short lived and usually they'll subside after the anticipated event takes place. Yeah. So uh, I had a, a panel event a couple of weeks ago. And yes, there was a little bit of, ooh, but the anxiety wasn't negative. The anxiety was something that I used to really enjoy the moment because there was nothing that I, there was, I couldn't control other people. All I could control is how I appeared and how I spoke and how I responded to the questions being asked. And so with that in mind, I was able to put the anxiety at bay and not think of the worst case scenario, but actually think of how do I want this outcome to be? How do I want to come across? What's my intention? What's the message that I want to give out there that people leave with at the end of this panel event? And that's what, you know, that's what kept me grounded and whole. So 
Let's look at how we can ensure that we have a sense of control over our emotions. Let's talk about questioning your thought pattern. So number one, I would say, as an offering, in that moment, question your thought pattern. Negative thoughts can really take root in your mind. And the thing about them is that they can distort the severity of the situation. You've been in a situation where actually it's not as bad as you think it is, but your brain has just gone AWOL and you cannot bring it back. You know, do you remember how good you are at storytelling? Remember I was telling you earlier that we are wonderful narrators. So if you remember that you're a storyteller, and if you remember how your brain will always gear more towards negative bias, that's the term for it, negative bias, where we think of the worst case scenario, it's to protect us, but the fallout is that we just feel rubbish about ourselves and often don't want to do what it is we're going to do. So if you remember those things, that's part of your tools to remind you that what you're experiencing might not actually be true, you know, it might just be you, you're telling yourself this story because the brain is kind of kicking in to keep you safe. So consider challenging your fears to determine that truth. Because you don't have to accept what your fears tell you. Ask your fears if it's true. Look for places to take back control. Notice what's around you. Notice whether actually you know, the sky will cave in at half past the hour. We don't know. So control what you can control. And number two would be to practice focused deep breathing. To support this now, practice really slow deep breathing for four counts in. And if it's possible, breathing out for up to eight counts. That's five minutes in total you're going to be doing this. Breathing in one for four counts, breathing out for up to eight in five minutes. And starting at a four-four, that's four counts in, four counts out, that's even. And building up, because we, different, we all have different lung capacity, and building up to four ratio eight, which is breathing in for four and breathing out for eight. Now, by evening out your breath, that's the 4-4, four, four, you're going to slow your heart rate down, which is really good. It should help you to calm down. And by extending your out breath, if you're able to go to that next stage, you'll let your nervous system know that everything is okay. The parasympathetic nervous system responds to that exhalation. And if we can make it longer, we can have that message to really get through. And it, it, we don't want that stress response to be activated, the fight, flight, or freeze, yeah? And when you become very seasoned at this breathing action, perhaps you'd like to consider developing your breathing practice to a four, seven, eight. Yeah, that sounds a bit complicated, doesn't it? Especially if you don't like anything to do with figures. Um, I'll explain it in a moment. It will reduce your anxiety on a greater scale, but it's only if you feel safe to hold your breath for seven seconds and exhale for eight. And that's what the four, seven, eight is. Breathe in for four seconds or four counts, hold the breath for seven counts, seven seconds, and then exhale for eight counts or eight seconds, whichever works for you. One elephant, two elephant, elephant being the second. 
Number three is that you can use aromatherapy. I adore aromatherapy, whether they're in oil form, incense, candle, balm. You can use scents like lavender, chamomile, sandalwood. They're really soothing. And research has shown that there are certain receptors that are activated by aromatherapy in your brain that are potentially easing anxiety. Number four will be that you'll go for a walk or you'll do some kind of yoga. Do something movement-wise. Do something that allows your brain to stay fixed in one point. Now, sometimes the best way to stop anxious thoughts is actually to walk away from the situation. You've been in that. You just got to step away, pause, breathe, and don't worry about the situation. Just move away from it. And communicate to the person that actually I need some time out right now so they know that it's not about them. It's more about you managing your emotions. And taking some time to focus on your body and not your mind may help in that situation to relieve your anxiety because your body cannot productively, just like your mind can't, focus on more than one thing at one time. So we want to really choose what you focus on and just take that control back. Write down your thoughts so writing down what makes you anxious gets it out of your head and can make it less daunting and, and show it for what it truly is. And what it truly is is often extremely insignificant. It really isn't as big as we make it out to be. So write down those thoughts if it serves you. End of the day, beginning of the day, in the middle of the day, whenever you want to, carry a notebook with you, put it on your phone, your tablet. Just make sure you've got what you need if you're going to use that tool. And then make it about I, as in the letter I, you, yeah, letter I, and also about truth. When you're thick in that situation of emotional tirading, I invite you to consider the following. And you want to write these down in your phone or in your notebook that you carry around with you so that you've got them at hand whenever you need them. So there are uh, seven I's here. Intake. Intake will be about what are you taking in right now? What's your surroundings? Are your surroundings really as negative as your anxiety makes you believe? Imbalance. What's your life balance like? You know, is it actually pretty good? Good career, good family, good friends, good eating, good social. Everything is pretty good. Question that. Indecision. You're going to have to make a decision. Because often anxiety is because you have an indecision. So are you going to do what you're going to do or not? And once you've made a decision, you can then act from there. When we act, we send these wonderful positive hormones to the brain, which makes us feel good about a decision. And then we can move forwards. Integrity. So why did you make that decision that you've just made? Does it follow with your integrity? Does it make you feel good and follow with your values? Your intention. What is your intention? Why are you doing what you want to do? What do you want to get from it? Imagination. Can you visualize your desired outcome? Rather than focus on <gasps> catastrophe, why not focus on how you actually want to leave the space? How do you want to feel at the end? Let that be your guide. And the last one is isolation. So look who's around you right now. Who's around you? How can they support you? Are they loving people? Are they caring people? Are they people actually who don't really give a toss about how you come across, but you're the one who's making that story up? 
what and who are around you and how can you tap into those that serve. Let's talk about coping with long-term anxiety now. So there'll be certain triggers that cause you to fall into feelings that stop you in your tracks. And you must first identify your triggers for long-term anxiety if you're keen to make change. So I wanna offer you some triggers to consider. And some are gonna be obvious. Some are gonna be more hidden, yeah? So identifying your triggers for that long-term anxiety. Alcohol, drug taking, caffeine, a stressful job or a stressful work environment, driving or traveling, genetics. Sometimes anxiety can run in the family. Withdrawal from drugs or certain medication, especially if you're self-medicating. Get guidance from your GP doctor if you're on prescribed medication and you're withdrawing. Side effects from certain medications. Trauma. Phobias, and phobias such as agoraphobia, which is fear of crowded or open spaces, and claustrophobia, fear of small spaces. And also some chronic illnesses like heart disease, diabetes, or asthma, they can bring about anxiety, triggering. Chronic pain can do that too. And having another mental illness such as depression can also be a trigger for you spiraling into an anxiety tirade. What if you're not sure what your trigger actually is? Then an offering to get some kind of professional support in identifying it. You know, CBT, you might have heard of it, cognitive behavioral therapy. It helps people learn different ways of thinking about and reacting to anxiety causing situations. And that's just one of many ways that you can assist yourself in identifying what makes you anxious. And you can do that with a coach or with a therapist. You can develop ways to change negative thought patterns and behaviors before they spiral. If you need assistance, reach out and ask for help. And see how you can avoid being in the environment of your triggers. And to support this, Consider these additional three offerings to help yourself long-term when you're feeling anxious, right? So number one is do a daily or routine meditation. And I know, I get, some people say they can't meditate. And while this takes some practice to do successfully, mindful meditation, when done regularly, can eventually help you train your brain to dismiss anxious thoughts when they arise. And if sitting still and concentrating is quite challenging, then why not start movement? So do something like yoga or a walking meditation, or maybe you play an instrument and you can lose yourself in it. Tai Chi, painting, writing. Do something where you can lose yourself in the moment. That is called a meditative practice. And all of these will help to still the mind and to guide it into one nourishing place. You can only focus on one thing at one time. Number two is try supplements or changing your diet. Now, changing your diet or taking supplements is definitely a long-term strategy. Research shows that certain supplements or nutrients can help anxiety reduction. So if needs be, do seek nutritional guidance before making really drastic changes. And here's a start with a few nutrients or supplements that can assist with reducing anxiety. Think about lemon balm omega-3 fatty acids, ashwagandha, green tea, 
valerian root, kava kava, and dark chocolate, of course, in moderation. And it does, however, take up to three months before your body starts to fully utilize these herbs and foods. And if you're taking other medications, why don't you make sure that you discuss herbal remedies with your doctor, okay? And then finally, number three, a way just to support you if you are having long-term anxiety expressions, positive mental and physical health, exercising regularly, eating balanced meals, getting enough sleep, staying around great people, staying connected with people who care about you, who you care about. These are great ways to stave off anxiety symptoms. So that is it, dear creatives. That is, those are my tools and tips and my sharing of what I've learned and how I manage my emotions and my knowledge of how the brain functions and why it's here and how you can actually be in control of it rather than it in control of you. So that's it for another week on The Creative Genius Show. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. I really do hope that today's show in some way informs who you'll choose to be today and onwards and you can connect with the show on instagram at the creative genius show and listen to past shows on spotify.com anchor fm and if you'd like to support the future of the show why not head on over to the go fund me the creative genius production fund page and a portion of the full donation target will go to calm campaign against living miserably so thanks for those who have previously donated i appreciate your love i really do and if you have a friend a colleague a relative who you think could benefit from this show the content today or any of my other shows then please share the word so that you can spread what i'm wanting to do in supporting your mind your well-being and your emotions if you'd like to share something that's on your mind today whiz on over to thecreativegenius.co.uk and leave me a message on the contact page. It's always a pleasure and lovely to hear from you. So until next week, dear creatives, I invite you, and in fact, I insist this week, to keep creating. You've been listening to The Creative Genius Show with Nicola Wilson-Clark. Thank you so much for listening.